0: You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com/slash victoryal. Today we're starting a brand new series. Remember this. There's actually a series on the book of Malachi. Considered a minor prophet, but definitely uh, you know, very important message that he has given. To the people of Israel, I believe uh, we can learn from his prophetic words as well uh, today as we live in the 21st century. Uh, he happens to be uh, the last prophet of the Old Testament. And we're going to be looking at that later on. Some of the details of his writings and uh, the settings that they had. No? Uh, what's happening in Israel during this time? They were brought back after 70 years. Everybody say 70 years. 70 years of exile and captivity. In the nation of Babylon, finally, a king rose up and finally gave them a go signal to go back to their nation. And they started rebuilding again. They started rebuilding the nation of Israel. They rebuilt the walls. Uh, if you have read the book of Nehemiah and Ezra, that was during the time when this prophecy was uh, given, okay? a little bit after that. And so finally, they have rebuilt it. They rebuilt the city. There's a song on that. Uh, they, you know, they, they were looking at starting a new life uh, for, you know, with their families, with their friends, with their new uh, government. But yet, whatever they were expecting when they were moving back to the city is actually a far outcry from the present reality that they were expecting. Whatever expectation that they've had, it's so different from the actual reality. And what about us? Do you have an expectation in your life? How many of you have an expectation or a dream in your life? And how many of you have a different... Sometimes you know, it's so different. The actual reality that you're living right now is so different from the expectation that you have. Now, what do you do when your expectations are different from your current reality? Maybe some of us are going through that. How many, how many of you are married? Please raise your hand. You're married and you're happy about it. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, or maybe you're single and you're hoping to be married someday. You're praying that someday you're going to be married to, you know, your bae. Do you know what the meaning of the word bay is? Bae? You know, I, I was looking for the meaning of bae. I thought bae is babe. Okay? Beautiful, attractive. No, before anyone else. Okay? No, it's been before anyone else. So, you know, uh, ah, okay, pwede pala yun. Akala ko nga bae, babae, akala yun before anyone else okay so you have expectations of a marriage that you're going to be be brought with somebody and you're going to be happily ever after that is your expectation only to realize that the reality is it's going to be angrily ever after you know parang wow i an- 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 eh? parang ano eh? parang akala ko ba okay to diba Yung, we're expecting something and the reality is so different from what we are expecting. Maybe some of you are hungry during evening and you are, you know, uh, doing an online delivery and so you ordered uh, a delivery, you know, you, you looked for it in the internet or maybe through your app and you're looking for a nice, juicy burger. Pagdating ng delivery, ito yung din-deliver sa inyo, okay? naman, okay? Parang hinangin, di ba? Parang... The expectation is so different from the reality that you have or maybe some of us decided to you know enroll ourselves in a gym okay gusto daw yung any time fitness yung 24 hours as if to mag mag-work out 1 a.m. no but anyway you know but you know i know people working out in the morning those who are in the call center but um, you know they finally enroll themselves in a gym they want to be healthy and you know have you seen people like this if you're Going to the gym, you see people right in front of the mirror, you know. (laughs) You know, they're doing all that stuff, you know. They're really just allowing their muscles to bulge and wow, that's how they look at themselves in the mirror, but the actual reality is they look like that, okay? (laughs) And so sometimes the expectation that we have is so much different from the current realities you know you may have ordered something from lazada okay you you, you know the you know and then the, what was delivered to you was so different what about us you know what are you going through as a you know as a person as an individual you know maybe you're expecting your business to grow as you started on beginning of the year you prayed and fast okay you you joined the 5 day prayer and fasting lord you know i'm declaring lord prosperity Twenty seventeen prosperity after 3 months luge, you know what happened you know you're you're or maybe you're you're praying for someone to you know to say yes to you you're courting you're pursuing this guy or you know this guy this girl myle 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 this girl hindi pa babae no lalaki pa and you thought it was a yes only to find out that you're just in the friend zone. Kuya lang <laughs> ang turing ko sa You know the expectation is so much different from the current realities. And so this is exactly what's happening in the nation of Israel. They were expecting something grand as a city. You know, they're, they're expecting that God will finally return the, you know, the, the glory days of Israel. But yet, it was far from what they're seeing. There's so much corruption. So many immorality all over the city. The temple is in ruins. Even the priests are compromising. The, the, the people are not giving their best in the, in the, in the area of offering. You know, Many times when you look at the book of Malachi, ah, offering it. You know, that's somehow what we look at when you look at the prophet Malachi. But in reality, there are six prophetic themes or six oracles in this book. But we're not going to go through six, only four. And, you know, before we hit Christmas, we hope to be able to finish this. So if you have your Bibles, uh, please open the book of Malachi, chapter 1. Okay, Uh, We're going to be reading it from the ESV version, Malachi chapter 1, verse 1 to 5. We'll be reading from Malachi. Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. If you're in Matthew, lagpas na, okay? Atras, okay? Atras onte, You will see a white page, okay? A white page which, mean, which means uh, division of Old and New Testament, okay? And so, Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament and we'd like to go ahead and read from Malachi chapter 1, verse 1 to 5. The oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you everybody say I have loved you you. says the Lord but you say how have you loved us is not Esau Jacob's brother declares the Lord yet I have loved Jacob but Esau I have hated I have laid waste his hill country and left his heritage to jackals of the desert if Edom says we are shattered but we will rebuild the ruins the Lord of hosts says they may build But I will tear down, and they will be called the wicked country, and the people with whom the Lord is angry forever. Verse 5, your own eyes will see this, and you shall say, great is the Lord beyond the border of Israel. Let's barred and pray. Father, we thank you so much for our time together. We ask, Lord, that you would encourage your people, whatever season that we're going through in our life, may we never question your love for us. Thank you, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit is always here uh, to encourage. You're here to illuminate the preaching of your word. We ask even that you would speak to us individually, God, and even as a congregation, Lord God, what we are to do uh, with our current reality. And sometimes it may not match the expectation that we have. We thank you, Lord God, that ultimately your love for us is steadfast. May your name be glorified and be honored today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The book of Malachi is actually an interesting book because not only is it the last book of the Old Testament, but it is the last prophetic word before God went silent. You know, God actually did not speak for about 400 years. And, you know, this silent years uh, was called the intertestamental years between the Old Testament the Old Covenant, and the New Testament. That's why there's a white division mark in your Bible, Old Testament and New Testament. Malachi being the last book and Matthew being the first book in the New Testament. Between these two books are not just two white pages. It's 400 years of silence. Now, how many of you are married, don't even raise your hand, and sometimes you've treated your husband or your wife the silent treatment? Can you relate with me on that? How many of you have experienced that? How many of you know that silent treatment means something? You know, you ask your wife, Oh, you? hmm? Okay? You know, And she doesn't want to talk to you. You want to talk about the issues, but yet she doesn't want to talk to you. Something is wrong. And in this particular situation with the Israelites, God has finally not given up on them, but had just tuned off. He did not leave them. He was still there. He was still involved in the affairs of of the Israelite nation. In fact, planning out the grand entrance of the firstborn. And, you know, this silent years, 400 silent years, was actually broken by a cry of a small child, a small baby, in the city of Bethlehem. What an awesome gift not only for the nation of Israel, but for every one of us. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Amen. And I believe that there's always a reason why we can rejoice. Not only because, you know, you'll have, you know, noche buena, or you'll have gifts, or you'll have, you know, whatever. But there's a reason why Jesus Christ came. But yet beforehand, there was a nation who was hoping for restoration. And if you look at the, you know, somehow what this nation have gone through, 400 years uh, of silence. You know, the prophet Malachi, Malachi actually means my messenger. God sent him to give the final message before he tunes out. Okay, He probably lived during the time of Ezra and Nehemiah. But when you look at the book of Malachi, there are actually six oracles that you will find. Uh, six kind of prophecy. Okay, Ang tinatawag dito, six disputations or six rebukes. And God is actually about to correct His people. But yet, the very first thing that we see here when we read our text this, uh, just a few minutes ago is the very first thing that God said before He rebuked the people is, I have loved you. How many of you know that that is the best approach? You know, If you're going to correct someone, say, bro, I have loved you. And then, "Or you know." But God has reminded the people Lest you forget. That's why this series is, is entitled, Remember This. Remember the love that I have for you. Before you think and say otherwise that I have abandoned you, remember this, I have never abandoned you. I've always loved you. And that's exactly the theme of Malachi. It's the love of God. And hopefully we can actually respond you know, to this. If you look at this particular nation in, in Israel, and you know, just... Coming into this setting, they started off when God called this man named Abraham. How many of you still remember Abraham? Abraham, back in Genesis, he was called by God. let fast forward it, he became a nation. And then, you know, he had his two sons, uh, his son Isaac. And Isaac had his two sons, Jacob and Esau. Eventually, they became, you know, a multitude. And, you know, they expanded. They were were in Egypt for a while. Joseph went to Egypt, 70 and all. God multiplied them and has seen the faithfulness and the covenant of God for this nation. There was nothing special with Abraham. Why was he chosen by God from all among the peoples of the earth at that time? It was because of his divine call. You know, and yet he grew his nation. He grew his people. And from there, they cried out for a deliverer. God sent Moses. They went through the, uh, you know, the desert. For 40 years, we know the story, they crossed the River Jordan. They went to the Promised Land. God raised up Joshua, and Joshua basically conquered the giants of the land. Joshua started distributing the different areas to different tribes of Israel. And so, right after Joshua died was the book of Judges. You know what I realized? The saddest verse that you can actually find in the Bible was found in the book of Judges chapter 2. It says there, after Joshua... And this entire generation died. Another generation rose who neither knew the Lord nor what He has done in the nation of Israel. Can you imagine if our generation here is so active, serving God, we're volunteering, we're reaching out to people, you know, reaching out to small groups, uh, loving the city, giving out, you know, we're, we're obeying God, we're planting churches, and then realize that our children do not even know who God is. And have not even seen the miracles of god how many of you know that is sad that's the reason why we're grateful for what's happening there in the kids church amen that they are not just being you know going through daycare they're not being babysitted there they're being taught the word of god amen they're being taught how to worship the lord they're being taught the truth of god's word so that someday they will become better than us amen come on now that is the future of our children that's why we invest heavily in the next generation One of the biggest budgets in our church is actually children's ministry, if you don't know that. Half of our facility here is kids' church. This is half, more than half is actually theirs. There are seven classrooms there. The reason why we do that is because we value the next generation. And even the young people. The young people, you know, the, the youth of this land. But yet, going back to the nation of Israel, there was an entire generation who neither knew the Lord. They were lawless. No experience of the miracles of God. And eventually, God raised up judges and a prophet named Samuel. Samuel led the people of Israel. And finally, they said, give us a king. And Samuel said, why do you need a king? God is your king. You are a theocracy. They said, give us a king just like the other nations before us. And so because they cried out to God, God gave in to their request. And he gave them Saul, who was a half-hearted king and did not really serve God with all his heart. Then God replaced him with David. How many of you know that David is a man after God's own heart? Amen. One of the greatest kings, if not the greatest king in Israel. In fact, it was through his lineage that Jesus was born. But then how many of you know though David had the title, a man after God's own heart? He is actually a wicked man, a sinner, an adulterer, a plotter, a murderer, and even in his old age, can you imagine, he would still request for a virgin to stay beside him in his bed to keep him warm. At the very end of it, yet God did not see that and has recorded that in history, but yet God loved David because it was not about David. It was because of his covenant for David and his people, Israel. That's why David still became a man after God's own heart. Fast forward it, we see that there were kingdoms, you know, divided kingdom between, uh, you know, right after Solomon. The northern kingdom, the southern kingdom. God raised up kings in the north and in the south. All kings in the north were evil. Some kings in the south were evil. Some were good. But ultimately, they disobeyed God. Everybody failed the covenant before God. And God allowed a powerful nation to take them out and exile them to Babylon for 70 years. Everybody, 70 years. And finally, a king named King Cyrus rose up and said, It's time for the Israelites to go back to their nation and start rebuilding again. And this is where we find the setting in Malachi. Did you get that? That is a short timeline of the story of Malachi. This is where we now find that people are excited to go back and restart and rebuild, but yet their expectation is not meeting the current reality. In Malachi chapter 1, verse 1, we see that the oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi, it was God who initiated His covenant with us. It was God who wanted to communicate with How many of you know that God wants to speak to us? God always wants to speak to you and to me. That's why don't just listen to God on Sundays. Open your Bible every single day. You know, the reason why we say this is because God speaks to us through the written word. God desires to communicate to us as a people. He wants to nurture this relationship. with And I hope that we are excited as well to listen to the voice of God because His word is life. But yet, how many of us here today would sometimes question the love of God for us? Maybe you're going through a situation and you don't see god's love you're going through a difficulty we've used some examples earlier but these are really shallow examples but maybe you are going through something deeper maybe you've lost your job maybe your marriage is on the rocks maybe your kids that you were praying for raised up in kids church became teenagers and now they're not serving god anymore you know you know, things like this, you know, maybe uh, you've started a business and then it didn't go well. Maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe your husband left you for another. I don't know what the reality is. How many of you know that is tough? And sometimes when we go through the difficult situation in life, we tend to question the love of God for us. Does God really love me? That's the question of the people of God during that time, and that may also be the question that we have before him. Today, how would you describe God's love for you? First, you know, God's love for us is unfailing. Everybody say unfailing. God's love for us is unfailing. You know, I checked the Greek word of uh, unfailing and I found out that it means pet malu. You know, know, I'm just kidding, okay? Uh, It means it never fails in English. It means that it is reliable. It means that it is steadfast. It means that no matter what you and I will do, God's love will always be constant for us. That is what it means for God's love to be unfailing. Because God's love is unfailing, He actually preserved Israel. Can you imagine what they have gone through? Israel have gone through so many wars. And it was not only in the book of Malachi that we see their journey, but even until today, you know, one time Pastor Ryan was talking to a Messianic Jew, and he asked a question to him. He said, or he asked, do you believe that God loves Israel more than any other nation in the world? And the guy said, I think so, but yet we are also the most disciplined nation in the world and the one most judged. And come to think of it, how many of you know that part of God's love is God's discipline? The Bible says, and this in the Bible, God disciplines those whom he loves. If you love your children, you will be careful to discipline them, the Bible says. And that's exactly, I believe, what Israel has gone through. And sometimes you and I may go through a season or a process or a situation of discipline, but yet don't ever question the love of God because I believe that that is one of the ways how God shows His love for us. Amen. His love for us will never fail. His love for us is always going to be steadfast. And then He said in verse 2, I have loved you. Read those four words. One, two, three. I have loved you. It's, you know, says the Lord. He said these words even before the correction, even before the rebuke. He said, I have loved you. You know, it's, it's in His present perfect tense if you are an English major, okay? Uh, present perfect tense. He didn't just say, I love you. You know, sometimes you know, when you're writing a love note or when you're texting your wife or your bae or whatever, okay, I love you, okay? You know, you're, you're texting him as, uh, as a current reality, I, I love you. But yet, when you talk about a present perfect tense, it means that I don't just love you today, I have loved you ever since. And this love for you is being continued until today and tomorrow. Amen. How many of you know that, that is the nature of God's love for us? It will never end. Come on now. Can we give the Lord praise for that? It will never cease. It's unfailing. I have loved you. God's love for the nation of Israel is never an afterthought. It was not, Ah, okay. I forgot to love Israel yet. But it was planned out even before He called Abraham. He loved this nation he had a grandmaster plan to reach out not only to Israel, but to use Israel as a blessing to the nations. And this is exactly what we see in the nation of Israel. In Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3, it says, I have loved you. The same four words. During the time when the nation of Israel was wayward and compromising you know, with other nations, God called Jeremiah, otherwise known as the weeping prophet, to prophesy against Israel, but at the same time, to assure or reassure his love for the nation. And he said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. Can you imagine that? I mean, look at Israel today. You know, I was blessed to be able to visit the Holy Land last year with some pastors. And it's amazing how God has preserved that. Life. When you go there, All I saw was rocks, desert, (laughs) soil, ruined temples, you know. I said, okay, so what's special about this land, you know? But yet, as I was walking on the roads of Israel, I sensed God's favor over that land. You know, imagine this, this land has been devastated many times. Seventy years ago, there was no Israel. There was not even a country. 60 years ago, finally, when they were voted to be back into a nation, they went back into that same land. About seven Arab nations attacked them from all sides. After that, the three most powerful Middle Eastern, Middle Eastern nations attacked them, and in six days, they won the war. They didn't have any army. They didn't have any air force. They didn't have anything, but yet they won. How I many of you can explain what happened there? Definitely the hand of God is with them. It's not because of their goodness. It's not because they were obedient to God. In fact, they were so disobedient. It has always been the unfailing love of God towards His people. Amen. That's how good our, our God is. Amen. It's an amazing history. Today, if you look at Israel, you know. Your cell phone that you're using definitely will have a component there that Israeli made. Today, they have a country. Today, they have an army. Today, they have one of the top Air Force. Today, they have one of the most secure systems in the world. They have a great you know, uh, uh, way to grow vegetables in the middle of the desert. Can you imagine? They export vegetables. The vegetables I've seen was bigger than John's head. The cabbage i said what cabbage is this through hydrophonics i said talk about the favor of god they export water in the desert where did water come from in the desert they salinate their own water they provide for their own needs and they export elsewhere truly god's favor is towards this nation and i believe that as a church we are co-heirs in Christ, co-heirs because we are coming from the same loins of Abraham, spiritually, amen. If Israel is blessed, you and I are blessed as well as the people of God. Amen, come on now. Despite of, and in spite of what we do, many failures, many sins, many compromises, many waywardness. Lamentations chapter 3 says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. If there's a memory verse that you can actually have in your heart, it's this, No matter what happens today, His mercy and love is new today for me. Amen. That's the nature of God's love. You wake up tomorrow morning, guess what? He doesn't use love from today. His love tomorrow is brand new for you. And it's shown to you with His loving kindness. His loving kindness ultimately is the one that leads us to repentance. Four words. I have loved you. I have loved you. I believe God is not just speaking these four words to the nation of Israel then. He's speaking these four words to us today. And some of you, if not many of us, need to hear these four words today. I have loved you no matter what you're going through right now. I have loved you that even while you were still a sinner, I sent my son to die for you. I have loved you that even in your failures before, I saved you and brought you out of darkness and transferred you into the marvelous light of my my son, Jesus Christ. I have loved you no matter what you're going through in life right now. I will sustain you. Because of my steadfast love for you. Amen. That's how good our God is. Amen. (laughs) You know, I was um, listening to the story of one of my friends who actually, uh, who's one of our small group leaders here, passed away about uh, a couple of years ago. And the, the wife, now a widow, uh, was praying, of course, at that time he was sick of cancer, was praying for healing. And unfortunately, he did not make it. And the attitude of the wife, you know, we're, we're not really expecting that she becomes, you know, that she would bounce up right away. But yet, she said, you know, at, at that time I was praying for healing. There are two choices. Either God gives me a temporal healing, temporary healing, or a permanent healing. And God gave my husband permanent healing because he is actually right now in heaven. He's healed of cancer anymore. No more sickness, no more pain, no more tears. And God has healed him completely from cancer. What an awesome testimony that even though they walked through the valley of the shadow of death, they still saw the hand of the Lord in their life. Amen. That God's love for them is steadfast. Secondly, God's love is unconditional. Everybody say, unconditional. It's unconditional. You know, today's love is very conditional. It's based on emotion, right? You know, sometimes you love a person based on what you can get from that person. Or the reason why we sometimes feel that we are loved by God is because God has been blessing us. But will we question the love of God if we're not getting the blessings that we are expecting? Our measuring stick of the love of God is so humanistic. If you are doing well with your business and if you're doing well with your you know, with your relationships, God loves me. If you look at your wallet and there's money, God loves me. <laughs> if you check your Facebook and, you know, there's so many like, 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 oh yeah, God loves me. You know, sometimes we, we, we measure the love of God based on our own circumstances. And then we realize, okay, if we don't get what we want, maybe God's love is not there. And we tend to question God. But in reality, God's love for us is constant. God's love for you is unconditional. It's not based on what you are doing. It's based solely on His covenant relationship with us. In verse 2, it says, It's not Esau, Jacob's brother, declares the Lord. Yet I have loved Jacob, but Esau, I have what? Hated. You know. How many of you are having a hard time reading this? First time I saw this verse, I said, Lord, how can that be? I thought you are love.'" I thought God is love. You know, I thought that you love everybody, but you know, how can you say you love Jacob, but Esau, you hated? You know? I couldn't understand that before when I was a young Christian. Then I realized that no one actually deserved the love of God. We are asking the wrong question. The right question ought to be Lord, how can you love any of us? How can you love us in our sinful state? the bible says in romans chapter 3 for all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of god and sin separates us from his face so that he would not look at us but yet out of his love and compassion for us he chose jacob another sinner now you and i will never be able to comprehend how much god loves jacob in verse uh, four, it says, "If Edom says we are shattered, but we will rebuild the ruins, the Lord of hosts says they may build, but I will tear down. They will be called the wicked country, and the people with whom the Lord is angry forever." Wow, this is just so, you know, uh, depressing. If you if you say that, how can you say that? Wow, walana pag Because you have to trust who God is, and we have to know the character of God. God is a God of love. But yet God is also a God of justice. A God who is holy. And yet, he is one who foreknew. And he is one who actually would see things. And he is the one who saw in the future that Jacob, despite the inconsistencies and the compromises and the sin, ultimately, he will turn back to God. But Edom, Esau, will never turn back to God. Go back to the book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 25, the history of these two boys, when Rebekah was pregnant, and the Lord said to Rebekah, or to her, two nations are in your womb, and two peoples are within you, shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other, the older shall serve the younger. Now, it doesn't make sense, because for a Jewish family, it's the older who normally receives the birthright. It's the older who gets the lion's share of the inheritance. It's the older who is given the one... To rule the entire family, but yet even before they were born, God prophesied that the younger will be stronger than the older, and the older will serve the younger. Why is this? Even in the Book of Romans, chapter nine, verse ten. And not only so, but also when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac, he is the father of Esau and Jacob. Though they were not yet born, and had done nothing either good or bad. See, there were still babies in the womb. In order that God's purpose of election might continue not because of works, but because of Him who calls. It's not because of what you and I are doing that qualifies us for the covenant. It's simply because of God's election and calling upon us. And then we read the same verse, the older will serve the younger as it is written, Jacob I love, but Esau I hated, and I want to point point to you this word, chosen. God chose us. Look at the person beside you and say, "God chose you." The fact that you are here today, I believe that God chose you to be here. Amen. It is not because of what you've done. It is not because of your pedigree. It's not because of the school you came from. It's not because of the family that you were born into. It was simply because of God's sovereign choice. He sees the beginning from the end. He sees your future. Despite your inconsistency and compromise and sin and unfaithfulness, God chose you. The Bible says, Many are cold, but few are frozen. No, no, few are chosen. Malamig get. Few are chosen. Few are chosen. And you are one of those who are chosen. Amen. Did you deserve it? No. But God chose you. Look at the person beside you and tell that person, God loves you. God loves you. I have loved you. God loved you even before you knew it. God loved you even before you were born. God chose you from the foundation of the earth. We were not chosen because we deserve it. Amen. We were not chosen because you're pretty or you're ugly but you're pretty ugly, okay? Or, you're, you're, you know, or whether you're good or you're bad or you know, whatever your, you know, your accomplishments are, whether you're committed to church or not, you were not chosen because of that. You were not chosen because you're generous. You're not chosen because you're leading a small group. You were just chosen, period. You were just chosen because God loves you. And we cannot question the mercy of God for that. And what's the purpose why God chose us? The Apostle Paul took the time to write this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. But God chose what is foolish. Now, look at the person beside you. Ah, alam ko na ako bakit. Okay? God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God shows what is low and despised in the world. Even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. In other words, God chose the lowly. God chose the, love you know, <laughs> you can fill in the blanks. The weak, the ugly, the foolish, the bad things in order for His name to be glorified. And if we learn to trust God and to just receive His love, I believe God will be able to use us to glorify His name. Amen. Can we give the Lord praise this afternoon? God chose us. To love us in spite of our sinful nature. In spite of our apathy. In spite of our compromises. In fact, God's love is not circumstantial but relational. God's love for us is based on His covenant relationship with us. In fact, if you look at the Bible, God used a metaphor called marriage to somehow compare His love for us. And when you you talk about marriage, that's the deepest covenant relationship that two human beings can actually have on this planet. In the Old Testament, God considered Israel as His bride. In the New Testament, God calls His church as the bride of Christ. In Ephesians chapter 5, the Bible says, Husbands, love your wife, uh, wife just as Christ loved the church and gave Himself for it as His own. To sacrifice, to love that bride. And to die on behalf of that bride, it's a covenant relationship that he has with us. He will never leave us nor forsake us simply because of his love for you and me. And lastly, God's love is unlimited. Ever say unlimited? You know, today we love only things, right? We love only rice, only you know, only load, only iced tea, uh, whatever you know, you know, only things. Okay, I realize also that there's no such thing as only. You know, my I thought my my cell phone plan was unlimited LTE or unlimited, you know, only to find out that after a certain, you know, gigabyte load, they, they cut it down and then they slow down the internet. So it's not really only. There's only one that is only the love of God for us. Amen. That is the only thing that is only in this world. Unlimited love of God for us. It's unchanging, it's unfailing it's also unconditional. And in, cha- in verse 5, it says, Your own eyes shall see this and you shall say, Great is the Lord beyond the border of Israel. In fact, His love is not just limited to the nation of Israel. It goes beyond the nation of Israel. And we are the beneficiaries of that. Many of us, most of us, in fact, none of us are probably Jews here. You have different nationalities. You know, If you're a Jew, praise God. But most of us are non-Jews. But yet, we are recipients of the love of God. It goes beyond the border of Israel. God's love goes beyond. It's unlimited. You know, during the holidays, or just this week, I was able to have the opportunity to share to our helper in the house, who's been serving us for about 10 years. When my youngest daughter was newly born, she was about 6 months old our maid came into our house and, you know, joined us and, you know, was faithfully serving us. I realized after 10 years, I was just assuming that, is she a Christian? Is she not a Christian? You know, sometimes she would go to church, sometimes she's not, but I finally just asked her last week, uh, Dai, can I talk to you? Tagalog, no? mag-usap. And then, she got scared a bit because she said, Sir, bakit? Anong ginawa ko? Parang ano? no? Pa ba ako? Parang ano? No? Hindi, kwento mo lang ako, you know? I just said, just tell me your story. I just want to hear, you know, paano ka pinang anak? kapatid mo? Saan ka galing? You know, when she heard this, huh? Interesting ka malaman? Yeah, I want to hear. So she started talking about her life. And she started talking about, she was born in a family that's violent, you know. Her mom and dad always fight to the point of this fist fight. Sometimes trying, try, wanted to kill one another. Both are drunkards. She's one of 12 siblings, uh, seven brothers, non-finished school. The brothers didn't even reach uh, grade five or grade... You know, they, they don't care. You know, she was one of the, uh, you know, the, the girls. Only two actually reached high school. She actually reached second year high school. And she said, you know, when I was about 16, I decided to go to Davao. She was born in Sarangani. And she said, I started to work as a maid for four years. After four years, I got pregnant there. Went back. And hid my pregnancy. Five months pregnant, hid it from my parents' house, went back to Sarangani. When the mom found out she was scared because the mom got mad, she left home again. And they could not find where she was. And she disappeared for a while until the time that she went back, she has this six month old daughter. And they don't even know where did you come from, you know. And they thought she was dead. But yet, after that, she tried to raise this child on her own. She's a single mom. So she went to Manila, went from job to job until she went to our home. And I asked her and I told her, Di, do you know that God loves you? And do you know that He has a purpose for you and your daughter? You know, when she heard that, she almost became teary-eyed. And I realized that many people don't even realize that God loves them. And they don't even experience the love of God because they don't see it in their circumstances. But yet it doesn't change the fact that God does love us. So I started explaining to her that God has a plan for you, He has a plan for us. I went to share the gospel to her. And, you know, I explained that man sinned, we're separated from God, God loves us, so He sent Jesus Christ. All we have to do is to hear the promise and to believe in His work and then we have eternal life. For Jesus Christ died, He was buried, He was rose from the dead. So I explained the whole gospel and I asked her, would you like to pray and receive the free gift? And she prayed that prayer and after that she was a bit teary-eyed. She said, sir, thank you so much. What my plan was for a 30-minute sit-down became more than three hours. Can you imagine that? And I think the reason why she was just so happy is because no one has actually taken the time to sit down with her and listen to her story. And then I realized as well, the Philippian jailer, when Paul and Silas told him, you know, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your own household, your whole household. I'm glad that my family is saved. My wife is a great Christian. My kids have been You know, born again. My youngest daughter just went through Victory Weekend about a few weeks ago. Everybody's saved. And now I see our helper who's been serving us faithfully. They're part of our household. Amen. And I believe that the love of God should not just remain with us. Because the love of God goes beyond. It goes beyond our borders. It goes beyond our family. It goes beyond your family name and your background i believe that god wants to use us amen god wants to show our people sometimes we become too consumed does god love yes god loves you and in his love for you go and share his love to others amen that's his ultimate plan for the nation of israel and that's his ultimate plan for his church amen you are salt and light and you are called to give his love out there it is god's unconditional love that gives us the unchanging plan to send Christ. Amen. Can we just give the Lord praise this afternoon? Thank you, Lord. Can we, can we just bow our heads right now? Close our eyes all across this room. Father, we thank you because this is love. Not that we love you, but you loved us and gave your Son, Jesus, to die us, the propitiation for our sins as a atoning sacrifice. Thank you, Lord God, even this afternoon that as you come before you, may we be sure of your love for each and every one of us. In fact, I want to lead this prayer for all of us. And, you know, I want to lead you in a prayer of accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I want to invite everyone to pray along with me. Let's just pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you because I acknowledge that I am a sinner and I need a Savior. Thank you for dying on the cross as a payment for my sin. Thank you for your unconditional love for me. I confess Jesus is my Lord and I believe that He is raised from the dead. Thank you for giving me the assurance of your love and of your eternal life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Praise God.